Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tight Beam. This week, we are covering Triple Point. I'm Eric. I'm joined tonight by Lou. Lou, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to watch this awesome episode again after we get done recording. Oh, so you didn't rewatch it already. You're, you're going to watch no, it. No, I've only seen it once. I, I ran out of time this week, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again because it was awesome. Now, I, I know that The Expanse has some really realistic physics going on, and I don't know much about quantum physics or anything like that, but you know that if you watch it again after we record, you can't like go back in time and add comments to the episode. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I it, can. I, kind I, of... I can go in and edit my, my, my stream that I give you and... Put, and, and, no, I can't do that. This is realistic no, science you know fiction, Lou. You do have okay. access to the FTP server. Yeah. And you can edit audio. I'll have to fix that. Anyway, moving along then. <clears throat> Take care of that after we're done recording. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Exhausted, but great. Ready to talk about this episode because it was so good. Exhausted? Yeah. You've been busy? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, very busy. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Keeping busy is important. Andrea, what about you? I am so excited to talk about last night's episode. This is a really good episode. Yeah. This was good. This I think this is my, this may have been the best of the season so far. Which is kind of what we said last week. So that's good. That each week we're getting <laughs> builds, the best right. of the season. To be so fair, far. Daniel Abraham said that this is his favorite episode. I saw that. So yeah, I, I got an email notification saying that uh, he said, hey, this is this is the one. You want to watch this one? <laughs> well, it's a really specific email, Eric. <laughs> yeah, it was a promotional email. I had a bunch of other stuff in it, too. I, I, yeah, I probably should have special. gone over it again. I wonder if there was anything interesting in it that we should have included in the show. Mm, but I'll keep that in mind. Triple point. What is the meaning of, of the title? What's the significance? Each episode this season has some sort of uh, significance to it. Most of it's been kind of military related. What is the significance to Triple Point? So if I remember from high school correctly, which I probably don't, it's when <laughs> like, I'm going to do my best. Everyone can make fun of me later. I don't want to read the description because it's not quite what I need. But basically, it's that thing when something is at the same time liquid steam and solid or liquid gas and solid, I'm sorry, where okay. the temperatures kind of fluctuate in a way that you get it simultaneously, like over and over and over, like just a, 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 a cycle, a cycle of it. <laughs> so okay. um, a few weeks ago, for example, the uh, Expanse writers, this, uh, they tweeted that the title Triple Point refers to IO, which is in a, a cycle of triple point, like physics, chemistry, whichever word it is. Uh, mm -hmm. So they had tweeted out a little more about IO. Surface temperature averages about negative 22, two, ooh, negative 202 degrees Fahrenheit, resulting <clears throat> in formation of sulfur dioxide snow fields. But the volcanoes can reach 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, so it is often referred to as a celestial body of fire and ice. Um, and huh. Narain, Narain Shankar, the executive producer, uh, tweeted out, and the showrunner, tweeted out, that that's what the title refers to. And again, this was a few weeks ago, so we didn't really know what was going to happen in it yet. But basically, we're all going to IO and we hit IO. So it's kind of just like shout out to IO. And I thought, you know, I thought that was cool. I wanted to mention that. But while we're also on that topic, we should mention that Georgia Lee is 
a boss. This mm-hmm. episode was incredibly well written. And I'm going to be singing George's praises for like the next 20 years. And, you know, I and hope she doesn't mind. For the people who don't know, Georgia Lee is. Oh, she's one of the writers. All right. There we go. I thought I said that. <laughs> You, you you threw in a reference later to uh, later in the sentence to writers, but I I wanted to make it clear not oh. not everybody. It's hard on a show like this to keep up with. I mean, you've got James S. A. Corey, which mm-hmm. is actually Ty Frank and uh, Daniel Abraham, and then you've got the showrunners, you've got the executive producers, you've got the various writers, each of which has been proving themselves over and over again as being top notch. Then you've got all the actors, you've got the you know. The crew and there's so many people to keep up with with this show that I know not everybody's going to be able to remember all of the names, but that's why we're here. We're going to help educate people. Education. Yes. So oh, what I just did so a far... whole bad physics lesson or a bad yeah, chemistry yeah. lesson, so, and you just dropped education on me. <laughs> so far, what I've learned is that Triple Point is kind of like taking the the volcanoes from Hawaii and putting them in Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> and everything happens at once. Yeah. It's like me when I'm stressed. Everything <laughs> happens at once. Well, let's, let's not get you stressed then. Let, let's go over the episode. Um, let, let's talk first to start out about, uh, we'll cover the Rosie crew. And uh, Shannon, why don't you kind of summarize your thoughts on that aspect of this episode for us? I don't know if I could summarize. I have... That's okay. Do, so much. We, we we expected that going into this segment, Shannon. We, we know I you well now. so much. That's why I'm starting with you. Go ahead. There's just a lot of great character work on the Rossi, a lot of great interactions. Yeah. Um, Like that Holden of Osterala scene was released as a sneak peek last week, and I've been watching it over and over again because that is such a good scene. I love seeing them in scenes together. You know, great coffee can save the world. I'd, I'd settle for it saving my morning, <laughs> which is a big mood. Um, I also yeah. love that he was using a French press because he broke his best friend, Mr. Coffee. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what you get. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Just delicate little French press in, in the ship. Thank God we were under thrust. Like, right. Be messy um, otherwise. I don't think that French press would work at that point. Um but yeah, and there was also, you know, Bobby and Alex had that great scene. Amos and Prax had a great scene. And last but not least, the bomb of Holden and Naomi scene. So like, so much. I don't know. I won't go into it yet because you told me to summarize. So there it is. Summary. I did it. Good very job. good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed. You crammed a lot of information in, into that short little bit. There. Yeah. That was really good. All right. Andrea, what about you? What, what stood um, out to I, you about this? I think the three things that stood out to me was just the continuous development of the relationship between Amos and Prax. You do see a softer side to Amos, and that's something that we didn't see in the first two seasons. Yeah. And so seeing him, hold, it's, for example, like season one and season two, he was holding on to Naomi, and now he's found somebody else to hold on to, and that's Prax. And he, he has like a purpose, a drive to... Um, be with somebody and it's really nice to see those interactions so that no matter what happens I'm here for you and, and it's it's empowering it's very nice Um, the other one was like Shannon said Naomi's confession to 
Holden, it was very important to understand reasoning as to why she did some of the things. And although we get a snippet of her backstory, we don't get too much still. There's still a lot right. of questions that have not, um, sorry, we still have a lot of answers that have not been no, Provided that doesn't yet. make sense. Yeah, You're so close. <laughs> so, again, education correct. is not in my game today. That's fine. It's um, late tonight. So yeah, you guys got it. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing was the message that Alex got from his son. That was very mm. unexpected. Um, and it, it, again, once again, the score in this episode was so nice because as soon as I started hearing the song, I was like, oh no, something's coming and it's going to be emotional. Um, but that was a pretty interesting touch because we were so, we don't know how to treat Alex at this point. He's, right. he gets redemption and then we're angry with him and then he gets redemption again and we're like being tossed around like salad right now oh my goodness <laughs> yeah yeah alex has, has got a lot going That's on a new and, one. And... <laughs> so let's let's uh toss it over to lou here real quick is there anything that stood out to you about this particular section of the episode you know at the risk of sounding like a broken record because i probably said this similar thing last week that i i really like the way they're evolving amos's character we're getting more of him like I'm used to seeing him or, you know, hearing him in the book. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a little more heart to him. He's not just, you know, doing things for one character. You know, I, I Naomi from the first episode or first two seasons where, you know, he was just tied to her so much and now he's becoming his own character, which is great to me. I think I, I, I really like Amos' character in the books and I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm seeing him come out now in the show. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, the the, the Rosie crew seemed to take a back seat to the rest of the episode. Really, oh, yes. I mean, they were they were there, but which I'm um, okay with. Just, oh, I was too. <laughs> um, but you know, we had to we had to give them the place to be there. But then right. we had to show the rest of the episode of how everything's evolving in, in the solar system now. Right. But before we move on to that, though, Shannon, you mentioned that there was some more you wanted to say about the interactions between Holden and Naomi. I have a lot to say, but I'll try and keep it short because okay. I appreciate well, that's okay. you guys. We've got an hour for bad. the episode. It's... Yeah, but I can't yeah, take up 40 there. minutes of the hour. That's okay. Listen. We could right. just mute you. Whoa. <laughs> oh, we would never do that. Whoa. Maybe I should have stayed at that party. Um, so um, we've been kind of slowly coming to this confrontation for a while now. And I have to say, I really appreciate how this storyline has been going between Holden and Naomi. Um, I really appreciate how adult and human it feels, even in like the lowest parts of it, it still feels adult and human and real. It feels real. And I've, I've talked about this before that like, been there, done that. And so having this conversation was just amazing. Um, this uh, conversation where they both kind of um, acknowledged how the other must have felt. But I think it was very important for people to understand that Naomi knew what she did was going to hurt him. Um and I think a lot of people kind of discount that because we all love Naomi. We all love Naomi. Right. Um, whether we agree that she did the right thing or not, people have been mostly putting down someone who was hurt, which in real life would never happen. So like pop the brakes, kids. Um, so having that moment where he says it doesn't matter what I feel and she says it does 
is huge because a lot of people will say that, you know, if they don't put themselves, their emotions before other people's, obviously, if they're hurt by something, they just, you know, they try and push it off. Like, mm, it doesn't matter what I feel. And have a character like that be told, no, what you feel does matter. That's important. I think it's important that people hear that whether they like Holden or not, his emotions are valid. His hurt right. is valid, even to the person who hurt him, who he hurt in his own way, whether he knew it or not at the time, which obviously he didn't know. Um, the other important thing that I took from it was it, I, you know, reading the books, I'm not going to spoil anything by saying this, but like when I read the books, I always, especially later, I got the impression that Naomi projected her fears onto Holden based on her, her former lover. This kind of confirmed it for me. By telling him he was a romantic, he was an idealist, he was a fighter. Holden immediately knew what she was saying. He's right. just like you. And when she continued on about what he did, he took my son when I wouldn't do what he told me to do. I think it clicked for Holden that she was afraid that Holden could basically break her. She ha He has her heart, right? He could do what, you know, this guy did to her. Uh, maybe not necessarily because he doesn't have a, her child, but in a way he still could. She risked a lot of her heart opening herself up to another person after this, especially when he's the almost the exact same person. And when he said, I'm not that guy, I was terrified she was going to say, I thought you were. Like, I was a little scared. I was almost relieved that what she said was, I have a kid. But like, it, I just got the impression that she, when he acted out like that, when he acted like he had to be in control of what she did. It brought this visceral like fear that he was just like that guy. And hmm. I think I, I got the impression that it bothered him that I think he picked up on like, Oh geez, for a second, she thought I was this, this guy. Cause he says like, why? Yeah, I'm sorry. Why didn't you tell me? And she says, right. I don't know. But like, I think I don't, I think she didn't know because it was like, you know, again you can't find the opportunity for some of these things but like if he was giving her the impression that he was like this guy which he very clearly was giving that impression because I, yeah. I i don't think he would do the things that this guy did but no i mean he he clearly and we're not going to get into book, book spoilers and this no. happens later on in the book series anyway but he is absolutely like no nowhere near no that way. guy but and, and, and that's and why you're, you're going along i'm like oh, oh he's not really that guy but you're absolutely right that he was like from naomi's point of view i can see where he was kind of coming across yeah. in a lot of ways like he was that guy and and i think that what she did when she when she kept the protomolecule sample instead of sending it into the into the star into the sun i think that was kind of her also making a decision for herself instead of being subjected to other people's decisions like mm -hmm. i don't know that one interpretation could be that it was about kind of this perception that maybe holden is too much like this other guy and in my my take on it was more that unlike who she used to be, she felt like she needed to be somebody else now who would be willing to make a decision for herself instead of um, just always acquiescing. No, to, yeah, to absolutely. Anybody else. Yeah. That's just not the, the way that conversation was framed was not mm -hmm. like that was my takeaway before. Now I get the impression that it was a little bit of both. 
Right. Um, right. Yeah. Because she, you know, she absolutely realizes that she had talked to him. If she had told him the truth, why she didn't want to destroy it. She realizes that he's not that guy and he would have, he might've done something different, but because he was pressing what he wanted on her so hard, it, it snapped her back. It snaps her back to someone who did the same thing, but he took something from her. Right. And of course, when somebody does something like that, of course you're going to be like, well, I don't want to do anything that I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, but like, you know, time went by, she realized like, oh my God, like if I had just told him, especially him, we might not be here. He might've understood. He might've, you know, but, but this is part of her. They would never know. Yeah, exactly. Discovering that Holden is not that guy. And it's also Holden, I think too, discovering based on how she framed it to him, that this wasn't a decision that she made without thinking about how other people would feel. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a decision that she made knowing how other people would feel about it and not caring. She did care about how they would feel. She just felt like it was so critically important that she had to do it anyway. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that's that's probably part of why he's a little. Yeah. You know, he he even said during the conversation, I understand, you know, you you did what you felt you had to do. You felt like you were doing the right thing. Yeah. And my my last takeaway is that, you know. For the longest time, everyone asked, why did they make this change? Why is this happening? Why, 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 why? I think this scene was the payoff. Finally having her explain to the viewer where she was coming from, because we all had our own perception of it. We all, and I was excited that she had her own agency because, man, Naomi felt always, you know, backseat in the books. And so I was just excited she had had her own agency. But to have her finally tell us and Holden, like the number one, to have her finally explain it, like it's such a, it's so, it's such a relief to have that payoff, to finally have the explanation, have it be so perfect and human and fit right into her story is incredibly well done. Like, you know, thinking back on it, it's just, it worked so well and I'm really impressed and like I, it was worth the wait. It was worth waiting to find out. I don't know if Holden feels the same, but it it was worth waiting to find out. Right. It's very interesting that in season two, we get that moment where um, there's the people trying to escape Ganymede. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at that moment, that's where everything just sort of clicked for Naomi. That, mm-hmm. And she does mention it in this episode. She says that um, I imagined Philip amongst them and it woke me up. Yeah. And just everything comes together for Naomi. And although it's there for me, it's still like <laughs> there's still some redemption that needs to happen. Oh, yeah. There is. I can see sort of where her train of thought goes, yeah. because before they took her child, she had no say in it. She was powerless at that point. And at this moment, she has that mm-hmm. ability to make a decision to potentially save her child. Yeah. And that's, I yep. mean, you can understand her and that's yeah. the thing. She's a mother at this point. So. And along that point, cause you read right after the quote I wrote down, she says like, she's talking about how she shut herself off for, to, to caring about this, which now I can kind of see early book Naomi doing the same thing, but like she talks about shutting herself off, but Holden cared so much. 
that being around these places because he wanted to be there being at Ganymede, being on Eros, she couldn't block it out anymore because Holden cared so much that like it kept putting her in that position where she had to care. And Ganymede was, was where she, it just shattered, especially when the woman held up her son. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. So it's just, it's a nice, like, it, it's a nice coming full circle of this arc and finally like right. being able to piece all these little pieces together and seeing how inadvertently Holden had something to do with this, but God, the emotion in that scene, those two nailed it. Those two will, nailed it. I will say I did not like the way um, Holden, that line he delivered is like, why didn't you tell me? I did not like the way it was mm. delivered, but that's just my opinion. I wish it would have been done differently, but um, uh, I, I you'll just have to write moment. a letter to Steven, a strongly yeah. worded letter to Steven. When I Excuse see him, me. I'll let him know. <laughs> Your acting sucks. I'm Put just it, kidding. Send it along with the carrier <laughs> pigeon. He'll get it. Yeah. Just find it Shannon at the bottom. Your acting sucks. Whoa! Oh, I totally oh, will. Totally will. He will never believe that. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> All right. How about we move on? To what I thought was probably the best part of the episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Agatha King Lou. Yeah. Why don't you take it from here? Tell us about this whole scenario here. What'd you think? Oh, this whole scenario was awesome for me because it was, it felt so realistic and so, you know, like, like real world, modern military, you know, naval vessel. If, if that's, you know, what this would have been. Right. It felt very good the way they portrayed you know, the good guys and the bad guys in the Agatha mm -hmm. King. I mean, you've got, you know, the people that were in charge of the ship. You got Souther and, and his crew. And you got Nguyen coming in, who is now in charge because he's the the fleet admiral and can take take command. Um, and, and then you have that, that really difficult discussion between crew members about you know, who we're going to follow. Mm -hmm. And you've got that that whole thing about you can't follow um, illegal orders. You you know, you're supposed to stand up and, in, 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 you know, contradict them if you think it's an illegal order or if you think something's being done the wrong way. Right. But then, you know, it, it's kind of like the whole thing of history is written by the victors. Well, in this case, it's, is it a mutiny or is it, you know, um, somebody taking command because you, you're not doing the right thing. Um, you have that whole, whole aspect of that of, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And whoever's holding the gun at the end in command is probably mm -hmm. going to be the one writing the rules and, and what happened. Um, you know, and if you I choose wrong, had... you get shot in the chest too. Even if you're yeah. just like the jailer. Uh, or, too, or soon, shot, too soon, too soon, or, too or soon, too soon. When you're laying down on the ground. Hashtag to too soon. You know? <laughs> you know? Don't do that. Too soon. That could happen. So I want to so, I want to chime in on on that point in particular. I mean, of all of the the stuff going on in the Agatha King, um, I'm former military. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I was not entirely compatible with the military lifestyle in that I have autism. And so for me, like rules are, are strict, especially when you're in the military, like there's rules. That's what you do. Period. End of discussion. Rules of the capital R. So, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's always really tricky to look at a military environment and you have a commander and you're supposed to be following the commander. And then there's an XO, an executive officer. And if they decide that the commander, for whatever reason, is unfit for command, they, legally speaking, and it's only in the most rare of circumstances, but it can still happen. They can relieve the commander, as we saw in this episode. But if you are 
just a soldier or an NCO or whatever, is it a mutiny or is it a legitimate relief of command? How do you interpret something that is a one of the most complicated decisions within any military that only happens at the highest of levels? And here you are down at the bottom trying to interpret what, what do I do here? And if you pick the wrong mm. one, well, you can get court-martialed too, or as we saw, you can get shot. Mm-hmm. And yet you have to make sure you make the right decision and you're responsible. And, you know, I asked about this when I was in the military, just as kind of a, a thought exercise. I was talking with one of the officers one day and I said, okay, hypothetical situation. And I laid out a scenario and I said, what are you supposed to do? And they said, well, if you are being given an unlawful order, that's how you know. And I looked at the captain, I, I say, yeah, but as a senior airman, I am not an expert on military law. There, there's a whole separate career field for that. I, I'm not going to presume that I know exactly whether or not, because it's not going to be, okay, walk up and shoot that guy in the head. Well, I know that that's not a lawful order, but if it's something complicated like this, hmm. I don't necessarily, well, first of all, I, none of the people in that bridge had all of the information mm-hmm. except right. just one person. Well, two people, the, the one person who had the evidence and the other person who was responsible for participating in the conspiracy. Everybody else on that bridge, they're like, I don't I don't have all the information. Exactly. So, it, 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 and then if it became you're political on, instead. Yep. It, it, you know, it, if you're on Wynn's side, you know, there's no way you're going to go against him. I mean, you know, you're right. there with him. You can't board a, you know, as part of his staff. Right. Of course, you're inside with him. And, and of course... Yeah. If you think this was ha- if this happened kind of you know on, on on a really bad scenario, and you're part of the Souther's crew, you're going to side with him. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You didn't see too many people crossing the line there. They're all kind of doing their own thing, and 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 the crew, of the Act of the King, bef- you know, the original crew, they were trying to kind of decipher what was going on, understand what the problems were. They were the ones who were. I mean, you had personal loyalties kind of already choosing sides right. for you. It was the people who were just trying to do their jobs. That were stuck right, in the middle. Yeah. Right. So it, it, it played out beautifully, I thought. I mean, I thought they did a great job with that scene or scenes. And it felt really realistic to me when they got all said and done. Didn't like the outcome, but, <laughs> you know, it was brutal. It was really brutal. But I tell you what, like, I, I, again, back to the writing. The performances were great and everything, but the writing really captured the complexity of what do you do in that scenario? And I thought that the level of intensity in, in that situation was just off the chart. I I loved that scene. Again, one of the best this season. I think that the whole entire time that we are in the Agatha King, we feel like somebody's listening. We're going to get caught when they're, uh, when Schaefer and Mancuso are talking to Souther in the, in the um, place where they eat. At mm-hmm. any point in time, somebody can come and just like that, Lieutenant Boyer comes in as they're talking about what they're going to do, not just there when Souther is trying to get the confirmation that whatever was sent to him was real. And he's talking to Cotier. Again, Lieutenant Boyer is right there listening. That smarmy jerk oh. with the good <laughs> hair. And I'm not talking about Holden this time. That smarmy jerk with the good hair. It was just really intense, and you just did not know where things were going to go. At any point, I thought that 
something was going to go wrong. And I mean, clearly it did, but I thought it was going to go wrong earlier. Yeah. And I yeah, was really I had the same nervous. thought through almost the whole yeah. episode, it, yeah. except, except I thought they were going to pull it off. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We, we might not get that. And then it was, ooh, okay. Right. It went sideways really fast. At the end of it, I was gasping the whole entire yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every single shot that happened, I was like, oh, oh God. I mean, I it was never so thought it was going to come down to a gunfight. Yeah. No, I thought I it was going to get shut down before it happened, or I thought it would be successful. I was expecting the whole kind of the Star Trek thing, you know, people teleport yeah. to the bridge with the phasers and it's just, that's <laughs> it. it. It's it, all it, done in, in that, two seconds. That last one where she was crawling away. Yeah. Oh God. And, and Schaefer, wins up yeah. on the upper part of the, the CNC and he just shoots her in the back of the head. Or whatever. That I was, like, was oh my brutal. God. Yeah. I'm, I mean, what I really appreciate about season three, and we talked about this last week as well is there have been so many situations where you think you know how it could end or based on your knowledge of how it goes on in other shows you you think you know how it's going to end and then it just gets tipped on its head this was like as many people know by now because it's been discussed a million ways this isn't stuff we know from the books because we had no characters on the agatha king at Mm -hmm. this point so we you know to my recollection this particular scene did not happen in the books Oh, as they far as elevated know, no, no, the no. Agatha King. Yeah, yeah. we had no yeah. perspective right. on the Agatha King, especially like with, you know, Souther and all them, because they weren't any perspective. They are no perspective chapters on the Agatha King. So right. this was all new and it, it's it was which is amazing because it's all so good. But mm-hmm. it, it gave them another opportunity to to give you that like. You don't know how this is going to end. I love how many yeah. storylines we've had in season three because they're they've all been done so well on top of that. It just feels really good, especially as like a book reader, having so many things that can just surprise me. That's new for me. I really appreciate it because I like not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, I like yeah. being surprised. So all these changes where you don't know how it's going to end or be resolved or what what have you have been so cool and daniel said on the other podcast that there are so many other big changes coming and i'm like anxiety ahoy because i'm so excited but the thing is is that we're also getting characters that if i think that a lot of it has to do with the writing that there are characters Mm. that we yeah they're dead whatever but the death yeah but the death that happened and the Agatha King actually hurt because yeah. you see the death of Sother and then um and then Schaefer and Mancuso they could have just stepped down they yeah. they were already kind of like outnumbered but they fought back they fought until they mm. were dead yeah. um and it's good to see that it, it's nice to see that loyalty that they had that they knew which side was the right side yeah. but they they sacrificed their lives to try to do the right thing. Um, right. And it was very interesting yeah. that there was that point where um, Nguyen, he, he does ask the whole entire um, crew, whoever is not willing to follow him to step, step up pretty much. And you do see a lot of them take Southern's side. And that was really awesome <clears throat> to see um, because there is that consciousness. Right. Shooting and, down and your you own ships is do. a bad look, though. That was the next thing I That's wanted to get to. That's a bad look. That was yeah. a whole additional TM level he took things bad to. bad look. Yeah. Once, well, once I mean, they did this way, though, if, yeah, if he's the guy in charge of the fleet and he's given the orders, 
and they're not following the order, I mean, he's within his right. I mean, whether we think he's right or wrong, I mean, he's yeah. within his right to do that. I mean, I'm pretty I'm sure not... you have to go to court for that. I'm pretty sure you don't well, just kill a whole ship of people. Well, I mean, so in, it, it's in complicated. A battle in, in, in a war zone, I mean, military commanders have ultimate authority. So here's, uh, but here's, here's I'm not how saying they would destroy of. their own ship. So, yeah, if the, if the ship is retreating, which is what these would be doing, you wouldn't just shoot them down because number one, the loss of life and number two, the loss of resources. I, I hate to bring it down to money, but I'm sure those ships aren't cheap. And that right. for a military, that's a consideration. If it were the opposite way around, he had ordered them to retreat and instead they were proceeding with the battle. I would, I can't say it would absolutely be a thing, but it would pretty much absolutely be a thing that he would maybe shoot them down. So it was kind of, the opposite sort of situation, if they were merely re disobeying by retreating, that doesn't mean you execute them. That means that they get rounded up and they spend the rest of the time in jail and maybe they get executed as a result of a courts martial. But you don't just blow up the ship because in retreating, you're not doing any additional damage to the combat environment other than, you know, just the loss of combatants, which if you kill them, then you've also lost the combatants. So it doesn't do anything to sway the battle. If they're going into a battle, you want to stop. It is the opposite. They are engaging in a battle in a way that you don't want that could have uh, bad immediate ramifications. And so sometimes that immediate resolution, sadly, would be what's required. But I think that this just went even further to establish that this is a bad guy. This guy, oh yeah, mm -hmm. you might have been Wynn able to argue one way he or another up win. until that point. But at that point, yeah, it, it's it's clear. Him There's and no his way to argue. Army little Boyer, rip not <laughs> burn down there, Boyer. You Bye. done pissed Shannon off, so now you're yeah. Hey. You can take your good hair straight downstairs. <laughs> uh, anything else about the Agatha Christie? Uh, anything else about the Agatha King? <laughs> yeah, he's a Christie. Okay. Sorry. We I are, I didn't, this I didn't podcast is now about Murder on the Orient Express. Surprise, <laughs> everybody. I like that movie. I, I kind of like it too. It was surprisingly good. And that's actually why I, I got confused. I saw it was on iTunes and it was on sale. So I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Any other thoughts before we move on? Oh, I am so nervous for Cotier. He is so alone oh, now. Yeah. He's kind of SOL at this <laughs> point. <laughs> I yep. just don't know what's going to happen to him. Oh, boy. Poor little guy. guy is probably in his reclining chair. Like, what's happening? <laughs> I just and don't somebody, know. And it looks like somebody in that preview opened his door. So, uh. yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I, I think uh, next week we might see that, yeah, things don't go so well for him. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The MCRN, remember? Hammurabi. That guy. Do not say Harambe. <laughs> I will leave. I did I will say, hang up. I, I was not going there. I was not even almost going there. But Shannon, what about that? But you said it. So Shannon, hang up the call and get out of here. Hey, why Shannon do you want me to leave so bad? I just tossed the topic you know over more. to you, Shannon. It's all good. I'm Tell trying my best. That. Hammurabi. So the Hammurabi picked up our good friends from the Kidder. Um, Sinopoli is, is here. He's back. He's okay. So precious. Um, I, I love him so much. <laughs> that scene with the Cylon and, and captain, um, I wrote down her name. 
Where did I, did I write it on the wrong notes? I think it starts with a K. Carino, I found it. Um, I was looking at the wrong notes. I was right. Um, <laughs> Captain Carino, that whole scene was... <laughs> so i felt so bad for him just every time james holden the taker bobby draper the defector and who else did you see the tooth fairy like i love that line it was the so, tooth fairy. so good so and i love that, that they awesome. had nicknames for everybody the taker the defector right. they didn't have a nickname for avastral so i'm a little hurt but you know there's going to be a meme at some point with you, you remember like the old westerns where it, it, commercials yeah. or the movie trailers where like th- this name would sweep in at the bottom as yeah. it zooms in on the person yeah, yeah there's going to be a meme come up with that see now I'm going to have to make that I'm going to have to make that for something they're walking um, around and then they stop freeze right. it freeze <laughs> frame and zoom yeah, yeah. Um, but Karina uh, so I you know watching again I picked up her sister actually died in this war um, yeah because they were talking about all the ships that were lost and the Cylon um, said I, I never found out his actual name so he was just the Cylon um, he said to her like your sister you know I, I didn't write down the actual line um, but you know she she died bravely or whatever something along yeah. that line and it was just like who that kind of colored just like that conversation on the Agatha King about the Yoshijiro um, and and when and how that colored his feelings about the Martians. This was kind of a reflection, like here's Carino, here's where she stands. And I really appreciate that looking back on it because of that. But she was awesome. Yeah. Like, it gives some how, context as to how so she's going to react good. in the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was like, you know, and you thought, you sat through the whole episode like, no, she's going to she's going to go shoot the Agatha King. She's really she's intent on getting whatever they're after, taking them down, blah, blah, blah. And then she does it. She does what Avasarala wanted. And she sent the video to Souther. And like after telling cute, cute little young man that she wasn't going to do it because the tooth fairy told them to. She did it. And it just like it's another one of those. There are good people on both sides who are against this war. Like, even though she was like when when Sinopoli said he's fighting an illegal war or they're fighting, we're fighting an illegal war. And she goes and Souther is like the best at it. Like, it doesn't matter if it's illegal. He's been fighting it like you really thought she wasn't going to follow her humanity. And she did. And not only that, she like tried to rally the U.N. troops like we'll help you if you leave. Like, we don't want this. We don't want this at all. We're being manipulated. We're done. And just her strength throughout the episode, especially in the face of the fact that her sister died fighting the same war. Oh boy. I loved Carino. She was so awesome. I hope we don't lose this Martian captain. It's very interesting because one of my favorite lines that she did say was that in, in war or anything in particular that they were going through, there's three things to keep in mind. And you're driven by intense emotion, um, politics and, and or luck. Mm-hmm. And she decided to go with the luck that yeah. there, this was given to them for a reason. And she was going to follow that instinct. And and that was pretty emotional. I mean, yeah. emotional because she could have gone and been like, well, my sister died. I'm going to go this way. Or she could have been in the political realm, but she did something that was very unexpected. And it was the right thing. Yeah. It turns out that Sinopoli was right. And and of course we didn't see their reaction, but she's gonna know that Souther was killed by Wynn. So mm-hmm. she's going to know now that 
the UN ship is completely rogue. She's going to know. Um, because she was told to go to Admiral Souther. She had no idea about Wynne on the ship. Nobody really knows Wynne is on there, except for Aaron Wright and Io. And so, well, not that they don't know he's on there, but they don't know he's, like, taken command of it, except for these ships that are all here. So she's going to know, based on what's going on, that he's he's going rogue. He's mm-hmm. gone off book, as um, Mancuso said. He's, like, he's off. He's way off. And she knows this now. And so she has that leverage. But at the same time, Wynn is a jerk and he's up to no good. So we will have to see how it ends because nobody nobody knows. But I really, (laughs) you know, Carino is so stand up and she's following what's right versus what's necessarily right in front of her. And that's, uh, you know seeing these stories in the expanse because the expanse has always like put the pressure on that. It's not any one side. It's always individuals. Individuals mm-hmm. will do good and individuals will do bad. And especially in wartime, seeing these individuals see what's going on and fight to stop it before more lives are lost. I, I love it. I love well, Carino. Right. I love the well, whole storyline. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we, we, Go back to the idea that you're either a Belter, a Martian, or an Earther. At one point, you guys all have to come together and fight the same monsters. And at that moment, the Belters, the Martians, and the Earthers are not going to matter. It's not going to matter where you stand as long as you all stand together and fight the actual problems that are arising and, and in io and venus and those are the biggest enemies it's not one another so i love that yeah so speaking of problems on io since you brought it up andrea this one's on you why don't you tell us about what's going on there oh boy well we see a little bit more of what's been happening to katoa um, he looks pretty, pretty sad and blue. He's blue, dabba dee, dabba die. <laughs> there we go. It was really interesting because when I was seeing almost that, um, I, I don't want to call it interrogation because it, it really wasn't like that, but right. it, it almost reminded me of Minority Report, the the precogs. It, it was just really interesting yeah. that machine like, um talk that Toa had where he's like make uh you make it and it works or it doesn't that whole idea that that deconstruction that they're still trying to learn how to make whatever they're making work and it's really interesting because every single time that Katoa would say, you can't stop the work. It always brought me back to Julie when she says, you can't take the razor back. And it was a a really slight moment where I was like, please just say something about Julie. So then Mal can just fall on his butt (laughs) just because I wanted him to, to see those, um, those strings. I mean, he, he's orchestrated this whole entire thing. And I mean, um, Katoa just continues to ramble on about um, all the parts are put together. So again, something is being constructed in Venus, and that's all we know. We don't know anything else beyond that. And then again, use, use, not use. <laughs> and I love all those moments because again, you're just left to wonder what is going on. And and I felt that watching that interaction between um 
Katoa and Mao, I, I felt what Mao felt. I just wanted to know more. And as soon as he wasn't able to get what he wanted from Katoa and they had to leave the room, I was just like, no, 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 (laughs) make him talk more. But again, you can't, you can't do that. Um, and, and that's uh, very interesting because then that's when may is used. And when he's given that realization that he's going to have to use may may as they call her, he's just like, well, set her up. Like it doesn't matter. And, and again, we see that like, it's kind of like that reflection of what he did to Julie. He just did not care as long as he found the answers that he wanted. Um, and again, if anybody wanted some redemption from this guy, they're not going to get it after this episode. And it's funny because everything that's come out so far has been presented in, in such a machine like way and very binary, mm-hmm. like you said, use yeah. and not yeah. use that. That's, mm-hmm. you know, from a, a computer point that that's very binary from an organic point of view, it, it's very uh, more of a primal sort of thing. Like, he's not getting anywhere with yeah. any of it. And even the implication that something is in the works uh, it perhaps being constructed of parts. And so, I mean, that, that does absolutely nothing whatsoever to, to give you any insight. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it could be, they're building a bicycle somewhere. Like it, it, it doesn't, the, uh, that would be amazing. It oh does my nothing for him. So if what he then the sacrifices uh, may on top <laughs> of that, well, the, and what is the up? Well, that's what like is the opposite, the up? it's the opposite of gravity. <laughs> Spoiler. Shannon, no. that is a movie made by Pixar. No, no, no. And it has Mr. Fredrickson. No, no, no. That is not the up. Bunch that of is just Stranger up. Things, right? <laughs> that the, is not the up. The, it, that's the upside down. Oh, okay. That is not the listen, this kid who is going through the growth spurt of the century, right? He says <laughs> something creepy as heck that is just building the up. What is the up? What is the up? Why do you need the parts to build the up? What are we building the up? You're, you're starting of? to sound like Mao, Shannon. What that's, is that's the not up? A, that's not a good sign. No, yeah. no, listen, I wouldn't turn a kid into a monster to find out what the up is. I just okay. want to know what I would the turn a kid is. into a monster to find out what the up is. I'm sorry. Well, oh, but that wow. doesn't surprise okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, I think wow. the important thing we got out of this was that, you know, A, they don't really have any control over what they're building. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, 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 they have no idea what this technology does, how it's doing, what it does, and how they can control it. And the other thing I like about this is much, very different than what the books did, but I love the way they're giving us reveals on what's going on in the greater sense. Because we didn't have much of an idea at this point in the novels about what was going on on Saturn. Mm-hmm. There was some stuff hinted to about it. We're getting more of that in this in this series than we got in the books. And I think it's exciting. I yeah. feel like in the books, they just dropped it on us. Whereas here it's, it, it, they give us the breadcrumbs yeah. and we're just following mm-hmm. the path yeah. until we get to where we need to go. And yeah. I love that. I love the fact that the show is able to give us so many more perspectives than the yeah. books can. And that's crazy because we do yeah. get so many perspectives in the books, but they kind of like, they drag out a little bit, whereas right. this, you just get a mishmash of everything. Right. The so books you, have so much more detail to them, yeah. but we're getting yeah. things in the TV series that I think are setting this in a much more satisfying way oh, yes. that we're getting to know what's going on. Yeah. 
you know, it, it, it's satisfying and frightening. You know, it, yeah. it's definitely a different yeah. aspect to what we're seeing. Yeah, because Venus was like the low key boogeyman in Caliban's war. Like the only person who had the time and the energy to think about it was Vasarala because everyone else, like Holden, had his PTSD fear. Um, Bobby had her PTSD. Who else? Oh, Prax had his PTSD. Mm -hmm. So like everyone was a little distracted in the books. The only one who was paying attention to Venus was Vassarala. And she's she's still paying attention to the show. She's watching it on the video feeds while they're and all I planning. Love that, touch. Right. that was I so love, good. That was a nice shot. Yeah. So like in the in the show, they're making it a more present boogeyman. But in the books, because no one was really thinking about it, it was just because I think I almost feel like we weren't supposed to really think about it. I feel like it was supposed to be so that when, you know, whenever happened, it was like, hold on. I forgot this was happening because there was so much else going on. But the show can actually just make it a scary boogeyman, not like a boogeyman that you forget until he like grabs your leg when you get out of bed. This is the mm -hmm. boogeyman that is watching you from the closet. And you can see him and he can see you. Well, and who uh, knows what he's going to do to you when you go to sleep. When we eventually get Ty and Daniel on the show for interviews, um, I would love to ask them about not so much about the changes that they've made from the books to the TV series as far as like what we saw with the Agatha King, we saw a lot of extra stuff that we hadn't seen before, but more about the rearranging of things that were in the books versus the, the TV series, um, which I think when season three is done, we're going to probably delve into in a little bit more detail over the off season. But it, right. I, I got to imagine that for them, when they're, you know, they're writing the books and they kind of have an idea of where they're going, but now that they've gotten there, and they're going back and revisiting that content with the TV series. It's a lot easier to do a lot of foreshadowing than in the books. They hadn't actually arrived at those points yet. So they, they, they did foreshadow. And I'm not saying that the books weren't good about that. They were very good about that. It was just done in a different way. And I'm, I'm wondering mm -hmm. if it's easier now that they have such a more detailed roadmap in front of them with the books for them to then make changes in a more calculated way that get them to more intimately control the pacing of how we get to the things like you were talking about with the boogeyman, Sh uh, Shannon, with the, the way we're developing that whole thing in the TV show. Now, and part of it too, is in a book, you can't read characters, body language uh, in a book. You, the, the pacing is different. Things that are exciting in a book would be boring on TV. Things that are exciting on TV could be boring in a book just because of, of the way the storytelling works. Um, and I think like with the Agatha King, that whole breakdown was epic in a TV episode, but in a book, if we started getting into the minutia like that of all of these tertiary characters, I, I keep thinking back to Tommyknockers by Stephen King and how much I hated that book because I was just coming off of misery where he's got two characters to focus on. And in Tommyknockers, he did like an entire town worth of people. And it just, it didn't work in the book. There was too much about each individual person. I stopped caring in a TV show. They're doing exactly that with the expanse and it works. Mm -hmm. Seeing all of these different individual people, because we're getting to witness these tough decisions that they have to make. And uh, with the book, 
I think it was streamlined in a different way and it made more sense. But I would love to know if it's easier for them having that roadmap with the books to make the changes that they've made and, and to kind of revisit what if we did this with the timing? So when we get them on the show, that, that's what we're going to ask them. We're going to have a whole episode of, of just that topic with them, the difference between <laughs> the books and, and the TV series. Lou, hook that up for us. Uh, you're you're better at that I'll stuff than I am. I'll work on that. <laughs> R- remind them that we're the same group, <clears throat> different people, but the same group that interviewed them back on uh, right. Jedi Journals. I was on that yeah, interview I was with say, them for I that didn't Star do Wars that. book. So, so whoever wants us to interview them, can you guys like you retweet and like and <laughs> help us out? Yeah, tell, yeah, tell you know, everyone if, we love them. If the community went out Send and harassed a certain people, I, I mean, suggested to certain people that, hey, why don't you go guest on this podcast? And then I tell you what, if you did that, we would be happy to ask the questions you present us to those people. Absolutely. I think that's fair, right? Absolutely. I, I think so. Yeah. Because some you need help sometimes. Sometimes listen to fill an hour. You need a lot of questions, and sometimes it's hard to come up with your own. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think with this show, we've got plenty of. <laughs> well, yeah, but like sometimes I feel like I'm asking the same eight questions. Of our interview with James S. A. Corey. <laughs> yeah, they'd never come back after that. Okay, anything else <laughs> that we want to cover before we get into the feedback? Any last thoughts on the episode? Any par- I final parting that... wisdom? Go ahead. I thought that the the score was really good, not just with the Alex scene, but also when we started to get the build up in the Agatha King, it really heightened your senses because you didn't know what was going to happen. So I really appreciated what they've done because it's not just about us seeing things. It's also about hearing what's happening. Um, and also the visual effects. This time I think Brent, was the one that did them and they are absolutely stunning. That shot of Jupiter was really, really breathtaking and I really loved it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no music in space. <gasps> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They were on I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> there I, are music I do in ag- ships though. I See? do agree that about the music though, because I had the same thought during Holden and Naomi's scene because when I was watching it again, because I had to keep pausing it to write down lines, and I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry <laughs> to stop me music. Ah, because it's just it's beautiful and it's subtle and it's like swelling of emotions, especially in a right. scene like that, where it is yep. so emotional. Same with all of Alex's scenes, like these things that are huge emotional moments have just these beautiful scores to go along with them. I also, I mentioned to someone I work with today, I was like, this episode ends on a cliffhanger. And she's like, doesn't every episode do- end on a cl- cliffhanger? I was like, not like this one. They don't. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah this is going to be a rough week waiting for the next episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is going to be a rough season. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. As in waiting for episodes. Obviously the season is very good. Let's, oh yeah. No, the time time is good. It gives you a week to kind of no, think I about what we saw it. and absorb what it was, and yeah, absorb. exactly. Start breathing Take a deep again. Breath your heart after to start that beating episode. again. Oh boy! And then more uh, you'll get the next one. So yeah, it's exciting. And you know, I, I want to kind of yeah. build on what you guys talk about the the um, the musical score. To to me, a good score of a movie or a TV show is 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 not in the way. It's background. It's there. It it helps you anticipate and kind of feel the episode and the scene 
but it never takes over. And I mm-hmm. thought they did a great job with this episode, particularly that way, because it felt very much out oh, yeah. of the way, but I, I still knew it was there, you know? Yeah. yeah Our composer's still... name is Clinton Shorter, by the way. Since we're name, making sure we're naming names. Who, Clinton Shorter. Very good. Clinton Shorter. The only soundtrack that is available right now is season one, but just it's also very good. So... Yeah, I I think I agree with Lou emphatically. That's something we've talked about for literally years now on other podcasts is um, the effect of the score. And it is important for it to not take over a scene, but scores do so much that people don't even realize a lot of the time to reinforce the emotional state of a scene. I love it when it's subconsciously uh, doing that where you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So let's get on to the feedback. Andrea, what do we have for this week? All right. So the question, as always, it's what is everybody's favorite moment uh, within the episode? So I'll just say some of them and then Shannon can take it away. So Craig said, um, nope, can't do it. Can't pick just one. That's how everybody feels sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Belter Stark said, Naomi telling Holden about her son. Wow. We knew she had a son, but she, because she told Prax last season, but the death details are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, Sweet Dean said, Naomi sharing a little bit of her past with Holden. Um, I just like these two. Hopefully the show will be renewed so we can see a lot more of Naomi's past. And I completely agree with that. Also, everything Captain Carino um did which is fantastic because that's something that shannon did bring up um mj said holden and naomi's <laughs> chat i think everybody really loved that um amos telling prax he will be there for him prax telling amos thank you for taking care of me love the feels hassan said the video message from alex's son and alex seen and hearing it uh so flip and burn said intense political drama um, Alex W said, Souther verifying, uh, the video's content with Kotiar, which is also in my notes. Cause I thought that was cool with the Karakum. Yeah. Uh, and Bianca said, uh, her favorite scenes would have to be Jim softening up more with Naomi when he learned about her past and Alex listening to the message from his son, Malus. All right. Well, I tell you what, like we said at the beginning of the episode, this is the best episode of the season. Just like the last one was the best episode of the season. And the one before that was the best episode of the season. So I hate to say it, but that kind of put some high expectations on next week too. But uh, (laughs) so far season three has just been continuing to knock it out of the park. So we would like to know your thoughts on season three. Tell us, you know, so far at this point, what are the highlights for you? Email us at tightbeam at randomchatter.com. You can find us on Twitter at the tightbeam. Don't forget the the. Also, the network Twitter account is at randomchatter. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Blythe. That's E R I K B L Y T H E. Lou, where can we find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is Lou Skywalker without the E. Okay. And Shannon? You can find me pretty much everywhere at shankbeasy. And Andrea? You can find me at Cat's Bears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. 
All right. You can find the rest of the Random Chatter Network over at randomchatter.com. We've got a few new shows that have launched recently. We've got a couple of new shows uh, launching very, very soon. In fact, we're recording one of our newest shows this Sunday night. We're recording the premiere. So uh, we'll be announcing that launch here pretty soon. We also have released the Random Chatter Network feed in which the type beam is included, by the way. Uh, not just on iTunes and Stitcher, but it's now up on Google Play and TuneIn Radio and Blueberry. And uh, we are going to be getting the Tight Beams individual feed up on those this week as well. So if you've been waiting for that, wait no longer. It is coming this week. I'm very glad to announce that. Uh, we would love it if you would help support the show. This is a relatively new podcast and it's hard for a new podcast to get up and running and, and get the word out and build the community around the podcast. And we appreciate the support that you guys have already given us a lot. We can't begin to describe how much we appreciate that. So if you'd like to help support us, leave reviews. That's a big help. And, you know, it helps to give us how many stars and everything. But if you could write a little paragraph and kind of describe what it is you like about the show, why you're recommending it to other people, that would be a massive help. Also, sharing us on social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or whatever you're on, Reddit, Discord, doesn't matter. We would love it if you'd help spread that word to other people. And then word of mouth. We know you're probably talking to your friends about The Expanse if you're listening to Expanse podcasts. So if that's the case, let them know about the type beam. And then finally, uh, if you go over to randomchatter.com slash discord, we have a discord server for the network and we just opened it up beyond the main lobby. We opened up uh, the category for all of the individual podcast shows. I think we've got somewhere between 12 and 14 different channels on there right now. Uh, that's open to everybody, whether you donate to the network or not. If you do donate to the network through Patreon, then we have a whole bunch more of the Discord server that we've opened up to everybody. We've got a, a whole different category for spoilers for different movies or TV shows. We have a section covering life topics like outdoors things or pets or creative stuff or collecting or whatever. We've got a Star Wars category with multiple channels in it. We've got all kinds of stuff in there. Um, and you don't have to donate a whole lot to get to that. Anybody who donates anything, even just $1 a month through our Patreon site, gets access to all that. If you'd like information on how to support the network financially like that, head over to randomchatter.com slash Patreon. And finally, the end credits, the music you hear in this episode is Ursa Minor by Celldweller. If you're not familiar with Celldweller, I highly recommend you go check them out. Awesome stuff there. And then finally, all trademarks are owned by their respective owners. Until next time, take care. Take care.